0: Hello, this is Kate J and today we'll be mapping AIP reintroductions on the 15-minute matrix.
1: Welcome to the 15 Minute Matrix Special Nutrition Therapy Series, where we're going to dive into the approaches, practices, dietary theories, and healing foods that have been used in the most successful practices across the globe and throughout history. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. The 15 Minute Matrix is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons which highlight the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. And that's the functional matrix. The functional nutrition matrix reminds us of three very important factors in clinical care. Everything is connected, We are all unique and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Kate J., Kate J. FNTP is an AIP certified coach, trained chef, and author of the Autoimmune Protocol Reintroduction Cookbook, which you can find linked in the show notes. In 2014, Kate founded HealingFamilyEats.com, where she shares AIP resources and recipes for both the elimination and reintroduction stages. Many of her recipes are also compliant with other healing diets such as GAPS and SCD. Originally from the UK, Kate now lives in Vancouver, Canada with her husband and two children. She works online with clients all over the world, helping them to navigate and dig deeper into the AIP and beyond. I had the great pleasure of working with Kate several years ago, hiring her to create some specialty diet recipes for a client, and I developed a deep appreciation for her, as I'm sure you will, today. Welcome to the 15 Minute Matrix.
0: Hi Andrea, I'm so happy to be here with you.
1: Thank you for inviting me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to spend time with you. We've we've known each other remotely for yes. a long
0: time. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> Only got to meet once in person, but those are always golden moments.
0: They are. They are indeed. So Kate,
1: in episode number 234 of the podcast, I spoke to Dr. Sarah Ballantyne and we mapped the autoimmune protocol diet. So I'm actually not going to ask you to define what that is. I'll lead people back to that episode. But that allows us to do a deeper dive into the topic of reintroductions and I know this is a topic that can lead to so much confusion for patients and practitioners alike. Can you first help us to understand when it's appropriate to be considering? reintroductions after following an autoimmune protocol diet?
0: Yes, I can. So basically, somebody needs to be on this strict elimination phase for at least 30 days, 30 consecutive days. And then what you're looking for after that is to have you know, a significant reduction of symptoms. You don't have to be in clinical remission, but you do need to be able to have you know, reduce your symptoms. And you need to be in that state where you would recognize a reaction if you were to have one. And that's super important, that part. So yeah, for some people, that could look like 30 days. For other people, it could look like many months. It all depends on, you know, where you're coming from, how challenging your autoimmune condition is, what your symptoms look like and, and how long you've been dealing with it, what sort of organ tissue damage there might be, you know, that kind of thing. So it's going to look very different for everybody. But those are the things that you're actually looking for before you can move on.
1: And I find that there's two different scenarios that occur. One is that people do 30 days and they say it's not working and they abandon ship. Or two, they stay on these elimination protocols for way too long, potentially introducing other deficiencies if they're not doing it properly. Is that something you've encountered with your client load?
0: Yeah, I have. It's very common. You know, those people who say it's not happening, they just haven't done it for long enough, basically. I mean, we would say that, you know, if after three or four months, you haven't got the results that you feel that you should have got, if you've been doing everything correctly, then you should be looking out, you know, finding some help to dig deeper as to why you've got these issues. And those people who are just, you know, doing it on the elimination phase for such a long time, you know, again, they need to be reaching out for somebody to help dig deeper, but also just really focus on nutrients. You know, it's not just an elimination protocol. The main thing, actually, more importantly, is I'm sure Dr. Sarah Valentine told you is that you need to look at what you're putting in because it's those nutrients that are actually going to start to heal your gut and enable you to actually move forward onto the reintroduction phase.
1: Yeah, such important things you just said there. It's what we include, not just what we exclude. And I think that's a mistake people make. And also there might be more to do with the internal healing, which is where functional nutrition, functional medicine come in and really help us do that deeper dive. Would you say that same thing is true for other healing diets and reintroduction? reintroductions? Or have you found autoimmune diet reintroductions to be a class of their own?
0: Oh, well, the only people that I work with are people going through AIP. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have actually got experience. My family did the GAPS diet before uh, we discovered AIP. But I I think, yeah, I would say always consider those nutrients. It's so important. And, um, And don't get into the habit or or allow yourself to be on that elimination phase for too long. Because as you said, you know, you might actually feel that you're missing out on or you might actually be missing out on nutritional deficiencies, which are stopping you from healing.
1: Yeah, and start to reintroduce other potential symptoms that are related to that deficiency. Yeah. So this allows us to talk about nutrients, then when we talk about the nuances of reintroducing foods, can you walk us through what that might look like?
0: So the nuances of introducing new foods, basically what you're getting is a wider variety of nutrients, Mm -hmm. wider variety of interest. You're actually allowing yourself to sort of get out there to you know, to be more spontaneous and to just be more social. And all of these things are going to help you to heal your gut. You know, it's, again, the AIP is not just about the food, it's about lifestyle as well. It's about social connection. And all of these things are so important. So Kate, it sounds like what you're saying is
1: that, Part of healing, you know, it's the internal organs and it's what the diet is doing and what the gut is doing, but we really have to consider health through the lens of living a more full life. And when we're eating a restricted diet, part of the why for reintroduction is getting back to some normalcy where we can connect with other people through food
0: this is so so important it's actually key to the the whole protocol because you know the AIP is not just about food it's also about lifestyle but it's also about social connection and so you know having that extra freedom being more spontaneous being able to eat out even if it's you know a restaurant or even if it's just friends and family not having to explain your dietary choices anymore I mean this part is huge expanding choices nutrients it's all very very important for you know the whole healing as, as a as an entirety
1: yeah it's such an important point there so i want to get down to the brass tacks so to speak into the how because this is where i see a lot of coaches and clinicians get confused either they treat an elimination protocol or a healing protocol like it's a detox or a cleanse and then the next day reintroduce everything right or they go too slow so what what's the right pace, what do we reintroduce First, how do we go about it with our clients and patients?
0: Yeah. Well, firstly, Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, she's put the reintroduction phases into, you know, very conveniently four different phases. So these are four sets of foods that are going to be, you know, stage one foods are going to be the easier ones for the gut to tolerate or for us to be able to eat again. And then by the time you get to stage four, they're going to be the more challenging ones. So it's very definitely a good plan to start with those stage one foods. Um, also, you know, not only are they some of the most, you know, easy ones to get in, but they're highly nutrient dense. Some of them as well. For example, you've got egg yolk and ghee in stage one. Once you can get these foods into your diet, then you know, in the case of ghee, you're opening up your it's like a gateway into dairy so that you know if you can tolerate ghee you're more likely to be able to tolerate dairy but it's a cautious reintroduction and so you know the last thing you want to do when you're going through the reintroduction process with somebody is to send them into a flare so it is a very cautious this is where it's slightly different from other Mm -hmm. you know other healing diets or you know whatever you might find so we're going very very slowly so we start with half a teaspoon of your food it can be either you know in its Raw form, in its cooked form, it's absolutely fine. And then you're going to wait for 15 minutes. And then, if all goes well, and you need to journal all the way through because, you know, this journaling is key, specifically, you know, particularly when you go through the reintroduction process, it's going to tell you so much good information. So after 15 minutes, you can then try a teaspoon of that chosen food. And it should be a food in isolate. You know, don't if you're reintroducing, you know, say ghee, don't have ghee along with all sorts of other foods as well. Just Just have ghee. It's far easier that way. Um, And then wait another 15 minutes and then try one and a half teaspoons and wait for two to three hours. All the time you're journaling, just waiting to see if there are any reactions that appear. And if there are no reactions, then after those two to three hours, you just eat a decent amount of it. And then you wait Dr. Sarah says between three and seven days, I, you know, to begin with, especially with my clients, I would err on the side of caution and just say, wait for seven days. And then as you go on and you gather some momentum with the process, then you can start sort of bringing it back to maybe five days or four days or so on. But just, you know, I think it's worth taking that extra time to wait, just to be absolutely certain to gather some momentum and then you know, and then you're on your way with a reintroduction process.
1: Mm -hmm. I love the methodology and the intention there. And also, it feels to me like part of what we're doing in that reintroduction is really listening in to the body. What is it saying? Is it saying anything? And Kate... What happens if we find that a half a teaspoon or a you know even one and a half teaspoons feels okay, but then when we eat a decent amount, it doesn't. Does that tell us anything in particular?
0: Yeah, it tells you that it's just not right at this particular time. So you know it, it tells you that there's a there's a strong possibility it's going to be fine in the future, but just for now it's not such a great idea. So you want to make a note of that particular food put it on the back burner and then just you know, wait until you feel great again, and then carry on and try something else. Don't give up on the process. Don't think, oh, reintroductions aren't going to work for me. It's just, it's not the right time for that food. And
1: it doesn't tell us necessarily that we can eat a smaller amount of that food now. It just tells us that we were able to tolerate. So the smaller amount is so that we're not triggering that flare. But the bigger reaction is telling us not right now.
0: I think so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If, you know, after one and a half, teaspoons, you know, you're good with one and a half teaspoons, but you're not good with a whole amount, then no, you definitely don't want to be eating that in moderation.
1: Of those four phases, we're talking about phase one, we talked about egg yolk, ghee, what other foods are in that phase one of reintroduction?
0: Yes, so you've got the seed and berry based spices in there, you've got the the edible, the, the legumes with edible pods. So that's peas, sugar snap peas, green beans those are in there as well and those seed spices as well as as well as those that are fruit and berry based spices as well
1: and then phase two where are we going from there
0: so phase two starts getting a little bit more exciting that's when you get your <laughs> your nuts and your seeds in and you know products derived from nuts and seeds so actually in stage one you can do walnut oil and sesame oil and macadamia oil but then the rest of the sort of nut and seeds and their derivatives come into stage two you've got eggs whites that come into stage two which becomes very exciting you know if you're looking for cheap meals or just you know something quick to rustle up for breakfast and lunch uh, and also, this is where grass-fed dairy, or dairy in particular, but we recommend grass-fed, obviously, if budget allows. So that's when your dairy, or butter comes in.
1: And phase three?
0: And phase three, what you're looking for is the rest of the dairy products, if all went well with the grass-fed butter. So uh, you've also got some of the nightshades. So the majority of the nightshades are actually stage four. Those are typically the hardest ones to bring in. Mm. But there are um, there's sweet peppers, eggplants, and uh, peeled potatoes, and um, paprika, which come back in stage three, and uh, some of the legumes. Again, like with the nightshades, the majority of the legumes are actually stage four reintroductions. But the three that are in stage three are chickpeas lentils and split peas they used to be in the stage four category actually but dr sarah is constantly you know researching the gut and the microbiome and you know weighing up the pros and cons. And, and, you know, those three legumes are so beneficial to the gut microbiome that she, she brought them back about a year or so ago into the stage three category.
1: Yeah. And I also really like how as her work evolves, and maybe you can speak to this, she's also looking more at how we have gotten too restricted with our diets and where there are foods that are highly beneficial, like you're talking about the chickpeas in particular they're so beneficial for the microbiome but people have become so fearful of them.
0: Yeah, correct. I mean there are other foods as well. So chocolate is now a stage 1 reintroduction which will mm. thrill many people yes, around the me. nation I'm sure. <laughs> as as with coffee as well. Coffee on an occasional basis it's a stage two reintroduction if you're going to be having it every day. But yeah, you're right. She's rejigging as she does more science. She re- realizes that there are foods that that are beneficial. I mean, coffee has loads of antioxidants for instance. Yes. So that can only only benefit us if you can tolerate it, okay? Coffee was never eliminated because it's, you know, it's a stimulant. It was always eliminated because it's a seed. Um and the same with chocolate as well. So yeah, chocolate has benefits too, which uh, Yes. Yeah. Yay. Super exciting!
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so phase four, and then I'm also curious about whether there are foods that just we say are, as I like to think, in the poison ivy arena. So yeah. what's phase four, and then what is just off the table, so to speak?
0: Sure. Well, those stage four foods are, you know, the, this is where the hot peppers come back in, uh, the nightshades, you know, chili peppers, and also unpeeled potatoes. And then tomatillos, tomatoes. Tomatoes are one of the more challenging of all of the foods to bring back in. So they should be one of the later ones that you try. And then we have the gluten-free grains. So, you know, corn is even in there. Oats, preferably from a guaranteed, you know, certified uh, gluten-free source. You know, the pseudo grains like millets and quinoa come back in there. There's also rice, which obviously is a grain, not a pseudo grain. That's a stage four reintroduction. We had see the rest of the legumes. So that would be things like, you know, great northern beans, cannellini beans, all the other beans, basically, that I didn't mention in uh, stage three. And then the ones that are, you know, to be, we advise that you don't eat will be gluten. Basically, gluten is so inflammatory for everybody, not just those people with autoimmune disease. You know, it can stay in the gut for in the system for you know, six to eight months afterwards. So it was really not a good idea. We certainly don't recommend you try that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I was grateful in many ways to see in your cookbook, the autoimmune protocol reintroduction cookbook, that there were some of those gluten-free grains. I tried a recipe, I'm forgetting which one right now, and I apologize for that, but it was delicious. And I believe it included oats. Is that right? Was yeah. there, are there a recipe? Yeah. So yes. it did use gluten-free oats. So nice to see that you're giving us ways to play with those reintroductions. Would you say that when people are going through the phases, there might be something for one individual that doesn't work in phase two, whereas phase four foods work, for instance, they can eat nuts and seeds for some reason, but they're okay with tomatoes?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it happens. It's, you know, we're all so different. It's difficult to predict. And these stages have just been outlined because, you know, on balance, they're going to be easier to get in, but there's, there's never a guarantee. So, yeah. And, and, you know, as I said, at the beginning, that you're recommended to start at stage one and go through the stages methodically, but some people you can actually do what you like, um, and some people do start with stage four foods. I, I personally, as a practitioner, don't recommend it, but uh, but yeah, it's it's perfectly possible that some people are going to be able to tolerate foods in in later stages, not the earlier ones.
1: And you talked about how long somebody should be on an AIP protocol to begin with. You know, at least. Thirty days, but getting to that place where there's a significant elimination of symptoms or looking elsewhere if there are not, um, in addition to the dietary changes. But how long can this methodical reintroduction take for someone?
0: Well, the reintroduction is going to take quite some time because if you think yeah. about it, you know, you've eliminated a lot of foods And if you take, you don't, oh, by the way, don't even bother trying to reintroduce any foods that you know that you're not going to eat. I mean, that's, that doesn't make any sense because it is a long drawn out process. So if you think about it, if you're going to be waiting between, you know, three and seven days, uh, you know, and again, to begin with better to wait the seven days, it is going to take quite some time, but it's really worth taking that time because, you know, the last thing you want to do is to see your client's You know, reintroduce too quickly, and then they get themselves in a mess, and they don't know which food it was that caused that problem, in which case, you might have to start again or, you know, take them back quite some time. And nobody wants that. So, you know, in terms of timing, it's difficult to say because I, you know, you don't know how many foods that there are to be reintroduced for, for a particular person, but just know that it's, it is going to take some time. And I think it's really good idea to manage some expectations there yes. so that people know they're in it for the long haul, but it's going to be completely and utterly worthwhile if they take that time.
1: Mm. Kate, so much wisdom here, and we'll definitely link to your new book in the show notes. Was there anything else that you learned in working with all these people on these introductions and in writing the book that we didn't talk into today that you think is just a critical nugget for practitioners to know?
0: Yeah, I think it's always a good plan to meet people where they're at. There are some mm-hmm. people who are going to be wanting to go gung ho and rush through the process and get through reintroductions really quickly, and there are also some people who don't even want to start at all. They're too frightened. And yes. you know they could they could be frightened because they you know they're in a comfort zone that they just don't want to get out of, or you know it could be that they've achieved such amazing healing on the elimination phase that they don't want to undo all that hard work by starting to bring those foods back again. It might also be that they, they can't be sure they could recognize a reaction or they're even fearful of food. So, you know, you have to meet people where they're at and always remember, you know, if they haven't got, if they're not, achieving that healing that, um, you know, they should be then to reach out, to find out, you know, to really start testing, find out why that autoimmune disease and those conditions, those symptoms are there. And always think about nutrients. Every step of the way is all about nutrients.
1: So well said and such an exciting topic. And I really love how you outlined it for us. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kate.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website. 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com.